0: Hello everyone, my name is Rick Hawkins, I'm the pastor of Quest Church. I wanna thank all of you for joining us today. You're about to hear a word that is informative, insightful, and inspirational. If you'd like to support our ministry, you can go to questchurch.com. Enjoy the message. We're about to turn the focus of this church toward the body that is here and we're going to begin to speak along the lines of community. Everyone say community. Commitment and cohesiveness are necessary to form strong community. Commitment and cohesiveness are necessary to form strong community and that's what we're all about. Luke chapter 4 verse number 1. If you have it say amen. just seeing if it's on the screen. We're going to be reading from the NIV this morning. That is the new intelligent version of the Bible. Anyone else been suffering from these allergies? Like this respiratory? I think the whole church said, oh yeah. I know I have. um, I spent the last day and a half inside my house. And um, I kind of wish I would have stayed inside my house today. I'm just kidding. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. I'm going to stop reading and ask you to do something. Be careful with this scripture today in that while I'm reading it, that you're so familiar to it that you lose its impact. Okay. You've heard this story many times, but don't let it just be something superficial to you. Listen very intently to the word today. So I'll start over on that wise. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him If you are the son of God Tell this stone to become bread Jesus answered It is written Man shall not live on bread alone The devil led him up on a high place And showed him in an instant All the kingdoms of the world And he said to him I will give you all their authority And all their splendor It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him, listen carefully, until an opportune time. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, listen to these words, as was his custom. He stood up for to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set the oppressed free. Verse 19, To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In the King James, it reads like this. To preach the acceptable year. The acceptable. Say that word. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he rolled up the scroll. Gave it back to the attendant and sat down. Listen carefully. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. I'm going to preach for the next 3 hours and 25 minutes a message entitled Born Identity Say those words to someone next to you Born Identity If I was going to subtitle this message I would call it You have a word in the wilderness Say that to someone next to you You have a word In the wilderness Let us pray Father thank you for the reading of your word We ask you that the word do what it is said to do in the earth on this day. You said when you send a word into the earth, it never returns to you void or empty of its task. But it always accomplishes the task that you sent for it to accomplish. So we ask you as we preach today to break yokes, to dismiss generational spirits. We ask you to have your way in this building. We yield to you. Hallelujah. And we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name. Can you clap your hands and lift your voice and give God a good praise? He saved you. Now, you need to understand, you're praising the one that saved you. He called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Come on, you're praising the king of kings. And the Lord of lords, you are praising the one they buried. But death, hell, and the grave could not hold him down. Hallelujah. You're praising a risen Savior. You're praising the one who ever lives to make intercession for you. Glory to God. Now add your voice to your clapping and shout to God with a voice of triumph today. Come on, clap your hands, all ye people. And shout to the Lord. Bless your name, Jesus. Now before you sit down, nudge three or four people and tell them it's on in the building today. Amen. Someone said it's like everyone tells a story about themselves inside their own head. Always, all the time. That story makes you what you are. We build ourselves out of the story we tell ourselves in our own head. Hmm. Some of you heard the title of this message today, Born Identity, and immediately you thought of Jason Bourne. (laughs) I in particular like that series. I like that movie, Born Identity, the story of Jason Bourne. It's the story of a man salvaged, near death. He's saved from the ocean by an Italian fishing boat. He recuperates. He is suffering from amnesia. And listen to this. He's without identity. He's without identity except for a range of extraordinary talents including fighting, linguistic skills, and self-defense. Jason Bourne. He sets out on this desperate search to discover who he really is and why he's being lethally pursued by assassins. When I read that summation of that movie, I thought it's very interesting because Jason is saved. He was saved by a fishing boat. I looked at him and I realized he's gifted. Jason is talented. He's a great fighter. He speaks other languages. He has an incredible self-defense. But he also has a problem. His problem is he don't know who he is. He does not know why he is. People are trying to kill him. Why assassins are trying to take him out? When I was thinking of that, that this morning, I, I thought of us, and I thought many of us need to understand the enemy is trying to take you out because his greatest fear of you is not of you discovering what you can do, but of you discovering who you really are. I think I'm gonna read that one more time. When I read that summation of the movie, I thought, Jason is like many of us. We need to understand. The enemy is not trying to take you out because his greatest fear of you is what you can do, but his greatest fear is that you discover who you really are. There was a lot of vocabulary that went on during our conference, a lot of powerful words, incredible phrases during our conference, amazing sermons. May I dare say messages from heaven went forth in this sanctuary during our conference. And I promise you, if you ask everyone on your roll what they received, everyone would say something different. It would be unique. It would be conspicuous. And it would relate to who they are and what they are going through. But there was just one word that just kind of sneaked its way through the fabric of all these messages. And this word was identity. It kept, coming, it kept coming through each speaker that mounted this pulpit, and I thought it was very unique. I read this quote this morning in relation to identity. Imagine a world where men had an inner construction from their, from their identity in God. And out of that created priorities and loyalties which drove their choices. That's a strong quote. Therefore, I'm going to read it again. Imagine a world where men had an inner construction from their identity in God. And out of that, they created priorities and loyalties which drove their choices. That's strong. Where their identity is found where? In God. So now I start going into the psychological side of identity and I discover these things. There are four major needs in every person's life. Number one is purpose. Knowing why you are here. Purpose is a very strong discovery. Knowing why you are here. The Bible says of David that he served the purpose of God In his generation, and he fell asleep. There's no stronger revelation than the revelation that you will receive when you discover your purpose in this earth. You were a why before you were a who. You were a purpose before you were a person. Jeremiah chapter 1 tells us, God speaking to the prophet, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. And then he tells him these words, and I ordained you to be. I gave you identity before you ever arrived. I gave you an assignment before you ever came to this earth. You are preordained in God to have a strong purpose in your life. So number one need in every person's life is knowing why you are here. Number two is security. Security is just knowing everything's going to be all right. That's a great feeling, isn't it? Have you ever gone through something when you didn't feel like everything was going to be all right? Have you ever gone through a season where you felt like you were losing more than you were winning? Have you ever gone through a time where you felt like destruction was all around you and nothing was coming together? But doesn't it feel good as a child of God to know Romans 8, 28? That we know that all things work together for the good of those that love God and are the called according to his purpose. Therefore, we can say with the Shunammite woman, everything Is all right. Even though her son had died. A prophesied individual. That was birthed through her when she didn't expect it. Died. What do you do when God promises you something. It comes to fruition and then it dies. You have to believe that he is sovereign. And no matter what you're going through, everything's gonna be all right. So if you don't hear anything else I say today, just remember these words. I don't know where you're at and what you're going through and what you've lost, but there's a promise in God's word that everything is gonna be all right. As a matter of fact, can we become community right now and tell about three people around you, don't worry about it, everything's gonna be all right. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, don't take any worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough worry in itself. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. It's not a matter of the problem, it's a matter of the promise. It's a matter of priority. If you keep God first, everything's gonna work out. Can you give God praise just for a minute that you are secure in him? Every person needs purpose. Every person needs security. It's that child that's afraid of the dark. But if they can ever find daddy's lap, no matter how dark it is, they feel like everything is okay. I want to encourage you today, crawl up in your father's arms. He's a good, good father. And he'll let you know everything is okay. Do you mind if I rehearse those first two one more time? Four basic needs in every person's life. Number one is purpose. Number two is security. Number three, identity. Knowing who you are. Number four is acceptance. Knowing you are loved. Knowing you are loved. Many ways to show love. One is physical affirmation, that's touch. You know, there are some people that cringe in church when you tell them join hands with your neighbor. (laughs) And all the people that don't like being touched are saying amen. When we tell you, turn around and hug your neighbor and tell them it's good to see them today. And you see people going, I've got friends in my life that don't like being hugged. They don't like being touched. And I oftentimes ask them, what happened? I'm that touchy-feely guy. I'm that guy that goes to the movie with his wife, and I like to feel Giovanna put her hand on my knee and just kind of pat me and say, just, you know, I'm here. Right? When you're sick and, the, you know, you've got the flu, don't you love it when someone that loves you come and touches you? Some of you are saying, no, I want to be by myself when I'm throwing up. (laughs) Another is verbal affirmation. I tell my kids to tell their kids all the time what I told them when they were kids. Three things. Number one, you are beautiful. Number four, you need anyone else to tell you you are beautiful. I'm going to tell you you are beautiful. And if I tell you enough, you are beautiful, you're not going to get 15 years old and go to the high school and need that cute little boy to tell you you are beautiful. Because when he says you are beautiful, you're going to say, I already know I'm beautiful because my daddy told me I'm beautiful. Right? So it would do you good as fathers to tell your children you are beautiful. Right? The second thing, you always want to tell your children. Three powerful words. I love you. Every day. I love you. People think it's so funny when they see me and Dustin. I still kiss Dustin on the cheek. And he kisses his dad on the cheek. And we say I love you. And we say that a lot to each other. Because words form worlds. Words form imaginations. Words are powerful. So, verbal affirmation is powerful. You're beautiful. I love you. Here's another one you are successful. You are already successful. You don't have to become successful. You are successful. And let me tell you when you speak those kind of words over your children, peer pressure won't mean much to them. So, every person needs purpose. Is this okay? Every person needs security. Every person, everyone needs identity. And everyone needs acceptance, knowing you are loved. I can't get out of that one. This is not part of my message, but I'm just feeling this. Folks, it would, it would do churches real good. If we stopped judging people before we accepted them. You know, if we just, the acceptable year of the Lord is a powerful phrase. Jesus said, he has anointed me to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. You do not get to decide who God accepts. Right. Well, it would be real good if we all just stood at the door every Sunday with our arms like this, right? The whole church and every guest we saw walk in, no matter what they were dressed like, how many tattoos they have. If that was a prerequisite, I wouldn't be the pastor. What I just said is I have some tattoos, too. They're really cool. But wouldn't it be cool, though, if people walked in and we just accepted them before we judged them? Before you start trying to fix them, just receive them. Every person needs acceptance. Am I being too quiet for you? Is this, is this okay? Four basic needs. Number one is purpose. Number two is security. Number three is acceptance. Number four is identity. Knowing who you are. So while I'm praying, I heard these words today. And I invited the young people in. They're here every sonny this is my crew right here on the front row i love them i gave them my seat perpetually in the sanctuary because i love them and i ask that they be here today you know as many as could to set up close because i want our young people to understand the power of identity so i'm praying for them today and i thought these words and i wrote them down the sense of being and belonging are essential in a person's life in order for them to enjoy the safe place that is called significant. I know that's a long quote, but I got that this morning in prayer, so I'll say it again. The sense of being and belonging are essential in a person's life in order for them to enjoy the safe place called significant. Everyone wants to feel significant. Not necessarily important. I don't need a title. I just want to know that I'm significant. I'm appreciated. I'm respected. And I found in young people, they're just looking for a place to belong. That they can be themselves and they can just feel like they belong. When you say, I know who I am and I know where I belong, you can easily understand that everything is going to be all right and begin to understand why you are here. So true. When you can say, I know who I am and where I belong, you can easily understand that everything is going to be all right and you'll begin to understand why you exist. Too many young people become so frustrated too early because they want to know why am I here? Why do I even exist? I remember being fifteen, sitting in my room listening to Purple Haze, <laughs> with black velvet posters on the wall, black lights, a fishnet on the ceiling. <laughs> Purple haze. Never mind. But anyway, I remember that song for some reason. And I, I remember sitting in that room crying as well and asking God, why am I here? You know, as I look back, I now realize I'm a seasoned veteran now. The purpose becomes a lot more precious when you allow it to evolve. You'll frustrate yourself trying to discover your future before God reveals it to you. I've learned something about the purpose and destiny of God. It, bec- it comes by progressive revelation. As you go, He shows. There's nothing wrong with planning. Planning is powerful. But my Bible tells me in Proverbs 19:21 that the purpose of God prevails over man's planning. Ultimately, you're going to be who God said you're going to be. Can I get five people to say amen right there? Amen. Identity, say that word. Say being. Being. Yeah. Identity, I walked in today. Where's Butch at? Butch, you'll get a kick out of this. Butch is here somewhere, maybe in the back. Okay, Butch. You'll like this, Butch. I walk in my office and Josh says, that coat is killer. Talking about this. I said, Josh, appreciate that. But the content is more important than the container. He he looked at me like, you know how dogs look at you when you're talking to them? (laughs) What I just said is not the coat, it's who's wearing it. Somebody said clothes don't make the man. I'm talking about identity. This coat was sent to me from a guy in San Jose that used to make my clothes for me. He's a really cool guy. This thing showed up on Christmas. I pulled it out. I liked it. I thought, man, this is a cool coat. And I was reminded, Franco Umo's label is in this coat. But I own it. Never let your label own you. You are not Nike. You wear Nike. You're not Adidas, you wear Adidas. So I thought about that, and I thought, we are human beings. Beings, identity, being. Not human doings. We're human beings, not human doings. Never allow what you have done to define who you are. I'm going to say it again. Never allow what you have done done to define who you are. What you have done can bring labels. When you give yourself a label or a name as though a single word describes you completely, that is called labeling. So you made a mistake in your past, and people call you that mistake. That is labeling. That's not identity. Talk back to me. That's labeling. That's not identity. You failed in your marriage by committing adultery. That does not make you an adulterer. Boy, it got quiet now. You cannot allow people to put a label on you based on your deeds. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? I'm simply telling you I came in here to rip all the labels off of you and tell you you are not who people say you are. You are not what you have done. You are who God said you are. And your identity is in him and his word and not in the word of other people. Take 10 seconds and give God praise for that right there. Amen. Somebody shout as loud as you can. I know who I am. am. Now watch. Jesus full of the Holy Spirit left the Jordan. By the way, that was all introduction. Jesus, and I'm doing great on time. Jesus full of the Holy Spirit left the Jordan. Watch this. And was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Don't you really appreciate it when the Holy Spirit says, come here. I'm fixing to take you through something you never imagined. And you go, I don't want to go. And he says, no, you're coming with me. Led by the spirit into the wilderness and he's not done. Led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Thanks, Holy Spirit. Really needed this season of my life. I learned something about the devil. He has no new tricks. I'm going to say that again. The devil has no new tricks. So I was thinking about verse 2 of our text. Forty days he was tempted of the devil in four simple words. Three simple words. He was hungry. Guess what happens when you don't eat? You get hungry. That's so simple, isn't it? so simple and I thought it's much deeper than that because hunger is a result of not having what you think you need my mind went back to Genesis chapter 3 you know what got us in trouble to begin with appetite somebody said apple it wasn't apple but it was the appetite appetite will get you in trouble When you get to Luke four, our text, what does Satan tempt Jesus with? Appetite. So now i start getting this revelation. Eve could not control her appetite in the garden when she was tempted by the devil. Eve could not control her appetite in Genesis chapter three when she was tempted by the devil. You know what the consequence was? She lost her identity. Do you remember when Satan told her, God knows if you eat the fruit, you will be like him. She said, I want a bite of that. She forgot Genesis one twenty-eight. That That she was already created in the image of God. Pride tells you do this and you'll become something you're not. There are only three sins that we always deal with and they just rotate themselves through our lives and they're found in Genesis chapter 3 and they're found in Luke chapter 4. The lust of the flesh. Y'all know them. Come on, lust of the flesh and then what? Lust of the eyes and finally pride of life. It's not going to change. It's always the same. So when the same Satan that showed up in the garden, showed up in the wilderness to tempt the son with appetite, things turned out a little bit different. Jesus controlled his appetite in the wilderness. He didn't lose his identity, he found his identity. I wrote this down, you are mostly identified by what you are pursuing. Write it down, young people. You are mostly identified by what you are pursuing. Notice where he's tempted. In the wilderness. Here we go. Y'all coming with me? Take this trip with me. The wilderness. Here's the Greek vocabulary lonesome, lonely, solitude, isolation. The wilderness. Even though Satan will tempt you anywhere, I believe his favorite place of temptation is the wilderness. When you are lonely, lonesome, there is a difference in being alone and being lonely. You can be in a room full of people. You are not alone, but you can be the loneliest person in the whole world. Lonesome, lonely, solitude, isolated. These are places you must be very careful of because the enemy will trick you into believing no one loves you. No one cares about you. You just need to be by yourself. Be alone. Lonesome. Having or causing a feeling of being lonely. I believe David was lonely when he stood on the roof. He was the king of an entire country, but he was lonely. And he fell into the greatest sin he could ever commit because he was in a place of isolation. Satan will always try to isolate you from love to tell you a lie. Young people hear me. Satan will always try to isolate you from love to tell you a lie. I hear more and more young people saying these words, I don't feel loved. I don't know why I'm here. No wonder they are in isolation when they spend 10 hours a day looking at a screen that is this big instead of a face that is this big. They go into a tunnel called internet. They are caught in a web trying to find identity through texting, DMs, Snapchats. They're trying to find themselves. And you, as a parent, must at some point take the authority and say you will not find out who you are through that smart device. That smart device is actually the dumbest device you will ever hold in your hand because it is replacing physical affection, verbal affirmation, finding identity in a family atmosphere. I'll stop. I'll get off of that because that can easily become a soapbox. But when is the last time you picked up your children's phone? And just went through what they, why would you let your child have, I don't want to make my young people mad at me, they're going to get mad. But, why do we have an app with a ghost on it? It's called, go ahead and say it, Snapchat. Because the ghost vanishes as soon as they're through talking and you can never find out what they're doing because as soon as they're done, it's gone and they can smile at you and say, I'm doing nothing. If I was an old time Pentecostal preacher, I'd stomp my foot and say, get rid of the snap ghost and get the Holy Ghost. But I I won't say that. I want to just say to all of you, not just young people, but all of us in this building, be careful with lonely. Be careful with lonesome. Be careful with isolating yourself from the insulation of love. It's easy to pull back. I've done it myself. The worst mistake I ever made in my life was pulling back from those that love me. I started internalizing my fears, inter- internalizing my struggles and my wars inside of me and the infrastructure of my identity began to erode and ultimately imploded because I refused to receive the insulation of the love of the people that was closest to me. The enemy will always isolate you to trick you. Come out of your loneliness. Stop being by yourself. Parents, pay close attention when your children stop talking. Preaching good, Pastor Rick. Wilderness, that's where he was tempted. But here's a bigger question. Why was he tempted? Why? Why was why did the spirit of the Lord lead him in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil? The word tempt means to test you or to try you. The wilderness is a test. Say that with me. The wilderness is a test. Say it again. The is a test. It has to do with this examination process. It's where God examines the hearts of his people. I want to know where your faith is. I want to know, do you know who you are? So he's tempted three times, right? You've heard this preach a thousand times. He's tempted three times. One is concerning idolatry. Two are concerning identity. Satan comes to him in the middle of this text and he says, hey, If you worship me, I'll give you everything. You know what that's called? Idolatry. I think Satan is smarter than we give him credit for. We run around here talking about dumb devil, stupid Satan. And he's tearing you up the whole time. The Bible says he left him until an opportune time. He was smart enough to know, I can't get you this time, but I'll be back. And when is the next time he showed up? In the garden, because he thought, if I defeated her in the garden, I can wait till you get to the garden and defeat you. He was wrong on both occasions, because what she lost in the garden, Jesus found in the garden. God is good, isn't he? So the first one in the middle, uh, the second one in the middle of the text says, if you worship me, I'll give you all this stuff. Now, you really think Satan thought Jesus was going to worship him? No, he knew he wasn't going to worship him. Satan ain't trying to get you to worship him. So stop doing all your rock and roll stuff. (laughs) I don't want to go off on that, but I, I don't get real convicted about listening to Brian McKnight with my wife. It's kind of (laughs) sexy. Praise the Lord. Seriously, I mean, it's hard to get romantic listening to Great Defender. Don't you feel the Holy Ghost, baby, right now? He knows. Jesus is not going to worship him. That's not the point. He just wants you to stop worshiping God. Do anything but don't worship him. Are y'all hearing what I'm telling you? What Satan wants more than anything is not for you to worship him, he just wants you to stop worshiping. And I thought to myself, what's in my worship that Satan wants? What's in my worship that he wants? And I wrote this down. What would not worshiping say? If I stop worshiping, then I deny that God has ever done anything for me. And I don't know about y'all, but he's done so much for me, I can't help but worship him. Y'all better talk back to me. If I stop worshiping, then I'm saying, you ain't never done nothing for me. Now I need to know, is there any worshipers in the building? See, so Satan wants you to stop because stopping says he's never done anything for me. And then I thought, if I stop worshiping, I disobey a direct command. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Worship is not a feeling. Worship is not a negotiable suggestion. Worship is a command. So when you don't worship, you are disobeying God's command. God said, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus said, if you don't worship me, then the rocks will cry out in your place so satan says stop worshiping him and you'll disobey his direct command i came by to tell you get in the devil's face even when you don't feel like it and give god worship and let him know even though i don't feel like worshiping i'm gonna worship anyway because i know what he's done and i know what he's commanded i'm gonna ask you one more time is there any worshipers in the building? If I stop worshiping, then I disallow his presence to be in the building because God inhabits the praises of his people. So when I stop worshiping, he stops working. When I stop worshiping, he stops showing up. If he inhabits the praises of his people, I can't do anything but worship. I'm going to ask you the fourth time. Is there any worshipers in the building today? I dare you to jump on your feet and give him praise like you know he's been good to you. So the first, I wanna preach this whole thing. So high five somebody and tell them the enemy will never get my worship. He'll never change my mind. He'll never talk me out of my praise. God has done too much for me. He pulled me out of a miry pit. He put my feet on a highway. He changed my entire life. He changed my appetite. He changed my hunger. He changed my identity. I can't help but worship him. Once I was a sinner, now I'm saved. I'm not gonna let the devil have my worship. Now take 10 seconds, throw your hands up and open your mouth and worship him today. Come on, bump your neighbor and tell him he'll never get my worship. All right, sit down. I'm going to preach this whole thing. I've got a little time on the clock. Bless your name, Jesus. Somebody shout, I'm glad I'm a worshiper. So he said, he said, stop worshiping. He said, if you'll worship me, I'll give you all this stuff. The other two temptations do not have to do with idolatry, but with identity. Because the other two temptations come on this wise. If you be the son of God. In other words, Satan is saying, do you know who you are? Can I say it again? Satan is saying, do you know who you are? There's nothing Satan would love more than to get you to deny you are a child of God. So he sends you into depression to make you question, am I really God's child? You are in jeopardy when you start questioning if you are really born again. As a matter of fact, let me eradicate and obliterate some of the destructive words that the enemy is coming against you with. You are who God said you are. When God said you don't quit acting like you're going to lose your salvation any second. Start living in the eternal security that you are a child of God. The prodigal was still a son when he was in the pig's pen. The father said, "If my son said I'll just come back as a slave but the father said once a son always a son quit letting people send you to hell because of something you did 10 years ago you're still blood bought sanctified Holy Ghost filled fire baptized your name is still written on them quit treating your salvation with so much frailty perfect love casts out all fear Identity. Here we go. You ready? Now I'm getting to the message. Sameness of essential character. Being the same. Everybody listening? Being the same in every circumstance, in every situation. That's identity. Being the same. The distinguishing character or personality of the individual is his identity. So what is identity crisis? Are you ready? Identity crisis is a state of confusion regarding who you are and the direction of your life. I'm going to give you some heavy stuff here, but you need this. Identity crisis most often sets in when things you can't control start changing. Identity crisis usually sets in when things you cannot control start changing. Remember this, never allow what you cannot change to change you. Some people ain't never gonna like you. Quit trying to change to make everybody like you because you run around here trying to impress everybody then we wonder who you are. If they can't love you for just who you are, just wave at them and say, God bless you. But quit allowing the things you cannot change to change you. Quit allowing the people around you that will not change to change you. Hmm. Confused identity results in a loss of influence. People do not want to follow someone who, do not, who does, does not know who they are. So I wrote this down, integrity will always be compromised when identity is confused. You can write that down. Integrity will always be compromised when identity is confused. Integer means to be whole. Integrity is the same on the inside as you are on the outside. That's integrity. So integrity is compromised when identity is confused. When a person really knows who they are, they can fit in anywhere. Did you hear what I said? When a person really knows who they are, they can fit in anywhere. Because they never allow people to dictate their identity. So I have learned this. Wilderness experiences represent transitions in life. The place of change. Things are changing. Be careful not to forget who you are when things around you do not appear or do not look how they used to appear. Be careful not to forget who you are when things around you do not look how they used to appear. We lose identity when things start changing. I'm aging. Gravity, John Mayer said, gravity, gravity is setting in. I don't like it. Might do something about it. But th- that's not the point. The point is I can't change that. Guess what? You can't either. Hmm. So what happens is when we can't perform at levels we used to perform, We start questioning our own identity. Am I the same guy that I was when I was 20? Are y'all here? So what happens is we begin to make ridiculous adjustments (laughs) to try to be what we used to be instead of enjoying who we really are. Be you. Old preacher told me one time, and I'll never forget this. He said, Rick, he said, you just need to practice being the best you that you can possibly be. So here's what I'm committed to. Just being the best version of who I am. Listen now, where I am. God is good. As soon as Jesus was baptized, are y'all bored? Can I finish? Awesome. As soon as Jesus was baptized, Matthew 3, 16, at that moment, heaven opened up, the spirit of God descended upon him and a voice came from heaven saying, this is mine. this is my son. All earth heard the father say, this is my son. Whenever your heart hears him say, this is my son. You stop looking for votes and you stop looking for people placating you and endorsing you. And you start realizing, my father said, I belong to him. Watch now. The voice came from heaven this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. We stop reading there. But the next verse says, then Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil can I tell you something God will never let you enter into a season of being tested that he didn't preface that season with a word that says this is my boy you got a battle coming up you don't know about but I know about it so before Satan shows up I'm gonna already let you know who you are And I came by today to tell you some of you are going through change, wilderness, identity crisis, but the Father is here to tell you today you belong to him. The word of affirmation always precedes the season of confrontation. I'm going to say it again. Anytime there's affirmation from the Father, get ready for a season of confrontation from the enemy when you're feeling real good about yourself and you're feeling real good in God and you feel like everything is all right, and you're being baptized and heaven is opened up over you and you got Holy Ghost doodads running up and down you and every time you hear praise music you want to put your dance on because you're so excited get ready because you are one step away from stepping into the wilderness where the devil's going to hit you like you ain't never been hit before so before you get to excited and exhilarated about heaven being open over you you need to prepare for the wilderness that is in front of you because the affirmation precedes the confrontation Satan is coming to test you and to tempt you but I came by to tell you to remind the devil just like Jesus did every time he hits you I'm not going to tell you what I feel about myself I'm going to tell you what the father said about me this is my son in whom I am well pleased. In other words Satan you should have showed up before daddy talked to me. You should have showed up before my father let me know how much he loves me. You should have hit me before I got the revelation of who I am in Christ. But now that I know I'm going to tell you devil just like Jesus told Satan in the wilderness my father said I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed when I come and I'm blessed when I go. I don't care what you say. My father said I am an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and by the word of my testimony. Is anybody in this building here? Before you start talking Satan, I need you to know Colossians 3:3 says my life is hidden in Christ. Deuteronomy 28, 13 says, I'm the head and not the tail. I am above only and not beneath. Deuteronomy 28, 6 says, I'm blessed when I come, I'm blessed when I go. Galatians 2:20 says, I'm no longer alive, but my life is now hidden in Christ. John 15, 15 says, I'm no longer a servant, but I'm a friend of God. 1 Peter 2, 9 says, I'm a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a peculiar your people. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, I am a new creation in Jesus Christ. Romans 8 verse 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That's who I am. 2 Corinthians 1.21 says, I am established and anointed before I'm arrived. 1 Peter 2.4 says, I am healed by his wounds. Ephesians 2.8 says, I am saved by faith. Romans 5, one says, I am justified by grace. Romans six one says, I'm no longer a slave to sin, but I am a child of God. John 8.36 says, I am free indeed because the Spirit has set me free. I came by to tell you, you ain't got to make up stuff to tell the devil. Just open the Bible and start reading what God already said. When it shows up to tempt you, about your identity and ask you do you know who you are remind him i am anointed i am appointed i am authorized i'm holy ghost filled. i'm fire baptized i'm a born again believer i have faith in christ somebody shout i know who i am i need you to tell four people around you i know who i am and ask them do you know who you are if you don't know who you are don't try to find it on the internet don't try to find it in the mouth of your friend don't try to find it in the mouth of your mama don't try to find it in the mouth of your cousin but open the bible and find out what daddy said somebody shout i know who i am it is written come on say it it is tell three people it is written I ain't trying to find out I'm not trying to figure it out I already know that I am called before I was born. I'm already a ordained before I arrived. I've got power through the blood of Jesus Christ. I am filled with the Holy Ghost. When I speak in Jesus' name, demons have to leave. When I lay hands on the sick, they have to recover. I know who I am. If you know who you are, I dare you to throw your hands up. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. you got to pull the word out that says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. There's nobody else like me in the whole world. All the days of my appointed time were written before one of them came to pass. I dare you to take 30 seconds and praise Him like you love Him. Praise Him for giving you your identity. Without Him, you are nothing. But with Him, you are everything. With God, all things are possible. Somebody shouted, I know who I am because God told me who I am. I know who I am because the Bible tells me who I am. I know who I am because I have destiny, I have purpose, I have power, I have potential. I'm sorry y'all, Whew. I'm still dealing with these allergies but I feel the anointing. I'm still dealing with this infirmity but I feel the power working on the inside. And I came to tell you, the devil been lying to you. When you don't know who you are, you'll try to fit in somewhere. You just want somebody to receive you. But I came to tell you, stop trying to find your identity in your girlfriends. Stop trying to find your identity in your gang at school. Stop trying to find your identity with your coworkers at your workplace. Stand up in who you are. And if you gotta go all by yourself, then just go all by yourself. You don't need nobody to confirm you. You don't need nobody to endorse you. You don't need nobody. Somebody shouted, I know who I am. Woo. Woo. Hallelujah. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm losing my voice, but I ain't losing my call. Woo. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place today. I want you to shout this as loud as you can. Be who God says you are. Now tell your neighbor those words, be who God says you are. So you know what? I remove identity crisis. Put being confused about where you are and what's going on. (laughs) Settle down and find your identity in Christ. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost here. (laughs) So I'm 15. I'm 15. I'm raised in a union home full of pipeliners and welders. Four generations of union workers, pipeliners, and welders. What I just said is, mean men, mean men. And I'm not talking about one or two. I'm talking about a line as far as you can count. Cousins, nephews, uncles, brothers, welders. I got expelled from school, public school, when I was in the 10th grade for fighting my punishment was my blessing and my dad said we're going to put you in a private school you're going to wear that uniform you're going to put that little flag up when you got questions you're going to wear them little blue pants and them little white shirts with them little goofy looking collars I said not that please not that he said no you're going to the Christian private school remember how many times we sat around the table at my dad's house and they telling war stories and they would look at me and say, Ricky, it's like I'm looking at you, my brother. You gonna be a welder. You gonna be a good one too. And I already had been a welder helper since the time I was 12, believe it or not. I was working six tens, 12 years old in the summer. When I was 15, I was working seven tens and paid cash for a new car. For some reason, they was paying me cash in a paper bag. Never figured out that union work. And I remember them telling me and reminding me, you're going to be like daddy. You're going to be like your brothers. You're going to be a good welder. Everybody going to know your name. But they made a mistake of putting them blue pants on. And when you got the blue pants on and the white shirt and the flag, you have to go to chapel on Wednesdays. I hated chapel. And I remember sitting on the third row with my arms crossed thinking, I don't like this place. And this black guy comes to the pulpit and he starts singing. I adjusted myself. I said, man, I never heard nobody sing like that. Then he starts preaching like black preachers preach. To all beef patties. ha! Special sauce. Ha! Man, that thing hit me in my gut. I said, whoa. Wait a minute. I, I like the way this. I've never heard that or felt that. Man, he's preaching and singing. About halfway through his message, he points at me. And he says, you son right there with that blonde hair, stand up. Well, I stood up and I'm like, me? Come up here. I walked up there, he lays hands on me. And he said, the call of God on my life is now on your life. You're going to preach the gospel all over the world. People going to know who you are all over the world. I didn't know what that meant. And he said, what you thought you was going to do with your life, you're not going to do. Because you are not who they said you are. You are who God said you are. Y'all not hearing me. When I'm 19 years old, I'm driving this preacher all over America carrying his Bible. And he mentored me. And guess what? My identity has never been on pipelines. Why? because a preacher said no way today your identity is found in Christ and in his call I wish y'all could hear that right now one word from God can turn it all the way around and you know I've been preaching almost 40 years right now and I love him more today than the day I met him I'm more on fire for him today than I was when I was 15. Y'all hear what I'm telling you? When you get good and saved and good and filled with the Holy Ghost, you don't want to be the most popular guy at Baker High School. You want to be the man God called you to be. I want you to take 15 seconds and praise him like you love him for saving you. Come on, y'all. Put them hands together and praise him today. We're about to pray. We're about to pray. You are who he says you are. Everyone standing, I want every young person 25 years and younger to come to this altar. Every person in this building 25 and younger, come to this altar. We're about to change the trajectory of your future. 25 and under, come up here. 25 and under, come up here. Come on, come on, guys. Y'all look great. Come on. Come on, preachers. Come on, preachers. Come on, believers. Y'all ain't encouraging these young people. Come on, clap your hands and thank God for the young people. Hallelujah. We're about to sing over you. We're about to sing over you. Before we do, Pastor Rick just wants to remind you, you are who God says you are. Not who your friends say you are. Stop trying to be accepted by everybody and be who God, and sometimes that means you're going to have to walk by yourself. When I got saved and got that call from God, my buddies called me to go out Friday night you know what I told them? That's cool. I got that 65 Mustang. Y'all remember them big white Bibles with the gold around the edge, about that thick, about that big? I got that big family Bible and I put it in my Mustang and I put it on the passenger seat. My buddies got in, they were going, what is this, man? I said, man, that's the Bible. What are you doing with the Bible? We're about to smoke some weed. I said, not today my life has changed they said what do you mean I said everything I am is locked up in that big old book right there y'all not hearing me everything you are is locked up in that book so I speak to you young people today and tell you lift your hands all of you you are not who people say you are you're not even who your family says you are you are who God says you are and as we sing this over you today, I want your hands raised high and your heart open to God and allow God to touch you. I am chosen, not That's right. I am who you say I am. Come on, sing it. You are me, not against, not me. against me. That's right. I am who you say I am. Can you sing it, church? Come on. Not against, not against me, I am who you say I am, I am chosen, not forsaken, I am who you say I am, You for me, not against me, I am who you say I am, Hallelujah. I'm chosen, I am against